Pizzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you? Fine. Fantastic. We had a wonderful trip uh, to We did a We dashed into New York yesterday, which, you know, dashing into New York in the second week in December is not always the best idea in the world. The city gets a little crazy this time of year, but... The um, our editor at Velarde, uh, our Italian publisher, was in town because our book has been published in Italy. Thank you very much. And it's doing really well. Flipping Thank my hair, much. Italian language version of the book. Um, yes, it's doing very well because it dropped exactly at the same time Drag Race Italia dropped, and Drag Race Italia is doing well, doing well in the country. So there's a lot of fascination. Yeah. So anyway, our editor Marcella came in. Uh, she was in town for other reasons, but we we wanted to meet up with her, and we had a lovely lunch. And no, it was a lot of fun. She's amazing. She was very sweet. Yeah, she's uh, fabulous too. Very professional. Knew what she was talking about, uh, and it's interesting to know a little more about the publishing world out there because we the we, international the international publishing, publishing world. Exactly. world because we know a lot about the American system, but it's nice to hear about other the, the way people do things yeah, in a different country. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, and a shout out to our uh, translator Matteo, who yes. is promoting the book in Italy. Matteo Colombo did a wonderful job on the translation. He's doing amazing there. He's going to all these events and, yeah. and promoting the book on Instagram everywhere. And uh, according to the publisher, he's doing a fantastic he's job. Doing, he's really excited. So, I mean, we spoke Matteo. to him over the summer. Yes. Uh, we. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your <laughs> Italian. Um, we spoke to him over the summer. He had a few questions, good questions, and um, we could tell that the book was in great hands with him. So, kind of a fun week. It is exciting. Fun, oh, and we got a copy. Did you mention that? I, I, yeah, I go think, look at it on Instagram. Yeah. It has an entirely different cover and title. But and, it's nice to actually hold the yeah, different yeah, yeah. version of what you wrote and it's just amazing. It, the, it, the book it's fascinating. Is, got got write ups in Rolling, you know, Italian Rolling Stone, right. Italian Vanity Fair, and I was reading them. And um, it's always, you know, it's just fun. Uh, we're nearly two years post publication, and it is still, still fun. I'm like, ah, oh, that is. <laughs> I know. Thank God. Um, yeah, I said that at the time when I was we were working on the manuscript. I said, you know. I know the books only get a short period of time when people are talking about them, and I really want to maximize the amount of time this book is talked about. But in my wildest dreams, I did not think we were still looking at press two years later. Anyway, uh, I was reading a piece. I think it was the Rolling Stone one. It had I, I don't read Italian, so I was reading the Google translation of the page, and I was about halfway through a passage before I realized it was something from the book that had been translated into Italian, and then Google translated it back into English, and it was fine. I was like, oh wait, that's my writing. Like some of the word choices I know, were different, but it's interesting. But to, it was to see that. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting to see. We're kind of a weird thing as as an author to actually to have that happen, and you're halfway through a passage. Yeah, and, and, that's, and, and that's, there, the book has been reviewed. Than uh, on like YouTube channels and yeah. and, and uh, radio stations in, in Italy, so we were listening to some of them. It's yeah, just, podcasts it's just, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just cute. Like Tom Fitzgerald, then Lorenzo Marquez, yeah, and they I talk mean, about the book. It's Lorenzo just, speaks a little bit of Italian. I mean, you speak more than a little bit. You're just out of practice. Yeah, a little bit. Hello. <laughs> but you also don't like me to make the claim that no. you're fluent. You're always it's more correct. than there a is, little bit. But there anyway. is no correct way to refer to Lorenzo's <laughs> linguistic skills. <laughs> anyway, I was. Uh, uh, translating to you what the uh, yeah what the guy was saying on on, on the radio, uh, it, but it's just cute. It's yeah, just sweet it's and and talk about us as great a little way to end the year yeah. for us on that little very high. nice. Yeah, uh, and we have a 
uh, cookie exchange party this weekend. Yeah. We're so bougie. We're doing a Christmas cookie exchange uh, Which is with friends fun. and family. So I made eight dozen uh, chocolate. Uh, orange spice chocolate crinkle cookies for Christmas. Sort of devised the Which recipe on my own. And the they way, are kind of I've, amazing. I've tried yes. a couple. I agree. We, I tried a Martha recipe and they were dry and crumbly and had no flavor. Martha, very disappointed in you. Very, very disappointed. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's happening. And that's kind of fun because we've talked about this before. Last Christmas was a little, well, it was depressing for everyone I know. Everyone. Right. But... Um, uh, my memory of last Christmas is just cringe um, because right. we d- decorated the whole place and it, all we wanted Nobody was... Came. Be- yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that was true of everybody. So this year we're like, let's just have people. Let's have as many yeah. people over as So possible. it's going to be a lot of fun on Sunday. And, yeah. Uh, we're going to end up with a ton of cookies. Lorenzo <laughs> just informed me that I have to make punch. Yes, because we have, we have a punch bowl that we've yeah. used once. I know. So we um, have to use it again. <laughs> so now I have to scramble to find a Christmas punch it recipe. It is gorgeous. Like this vent- vintage looking uh, uh, whole set. And it just, I, I talked to it. the woman who does my hair because she told me about an uh, apple cider sangria well, punch that she did for Thanksgiving. Maybe I'll do oh, that. Anyway. I'll drink that. We're rambling here. Okay, so we do have things to talk about. We, of course, of course, are going to talk about... Yes. Um, and just like that, the uh, Sex and the City sequel series, the first two episodes of which dropped um, yesterday on HBO Max. Of course, of course, it drops the day we're traveling. We were on trains all day. We really couldn't handle uh, a timely... Uh, written review and looking right. at the landscape, I'm already like, ugh, too many people are writing too oh many God, things yeah. about They've this show. They've been writing about this show. Yeah, for everyone like is just analyzing years, every yeah. single word of it. And I can't deny that we probably will revisit something. I I'm, don't want to put Lorenzo on the spot here, but I do think at some point we're doing a fashion. Well, we I I, I was going to talk to you about that. I yeah. think we should. I think yeah. we should. Maybe Monday or someday. Would, okay, but. we'll figure something out. But it. Um, between the book stuff and everything, we just couldn't hit this as hard. But we're going to have an in-depth discussion of those first two episodes and yes. very spoiler-filled ones. So yes, I have lots. I to cannot talk about. imagine you didn't hear the spoilers for these first couple of episodes. Right. Sorry, I, I moved away from my mic. Um, I can't imagine. But then again, not everyone's on social media. The whole thing was spoiled very quickly. Right. Big thing happened in the first episode, and we'll get to that. Big thing happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll get a big thing happened. <laughs> In yeah. every sense of that <laughs> phrase. Excellent. Excellent, Lorenzo. Yes. Uh, yes. Very witty. Okay. But we're also going to talk about um, uh, the New Yorker published a profile of succession actor Jeremy Strong, and it was quite the oh, discussion dear. of the week. And I the know. reason it was, for me at least, uh, I mean, I opened my big mouth on Twitter and I got a bunch of succession fans screaming that, and yelling I, I at me. walk away from the computer. Oh, please. You got Ted Lasso <laughs> and Outlander fans mad at you in one tweet, remember? <laughs> yes. And anti-vaxxers. All in one tweet. So please. It's true. You did. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, there were articles written about that tweet. I'm not even joking. I know. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Go ahead. Uh, so... Uh, um, it, this New Yorker, the New Yorker did a profile written by um, a New Yorker editor, Michael Shulman. It was excellent. It was really well written. Um, it was sharp. Some people might, like Jessica Chastain, thought it was snarky. Um, and other, like fans of Jeremy Strong, thought it was something of a takedown because it was a pretty unblinker, unblinkered look at, uh, unblinking look at, um, his process, what right. it was like. He's a method actor. He's a New York stage method actor. Uh, the pretentiousness is off the <laughs> scale. Oh, yeah. uh, and 
for once, uh, someone did a celebrity profile and did not smooth out those edges. They let all that pretentious well, play out. Yeah, and they not only that, I think to a lot of people's surprise, uh, um, so many of his coworkers went on the record, not just ones on Succession, but ones that he's done movie with, like Robert Downey Jr., very open about how annoying he is to work with. Now, I've read a lot of celebrity profiles in my time, and I took that as a sort of... I do think they all found him really annoying to work with, but I also think the fact that they mentioned it on the record means that they kind they of don't hate him, yeah, yeah they don't hate the guy they roll their eyes at him they right. might think they have some funny stories to tell about him but they they wouldn't they wouldn't do that they wouldn't take down a fellow actor because they hated him openly they wouldn't do that so that was my read on that situation and I'm saying all this because uh, of course things got so polarized. I don't necessarily want to unpack the whole thing, but I know you have some things you want to talk about. What I wanted to, in fact, why don't I toss to you? You did want to talk about how pretentious you sounded, he sounded, and whether or not, about artists who get away with stuff. We had a pre-mic talk about this. Right. I My, my issue uh, is that, first of all, uh, it, it, you know, being an actor, being on a set and everything, it's still a job right. that you have to right. share with other people. So when you're an asshole... And you treat people like shit or you impose all these things that end up like getting everyone annoyed or or creating more chaos or or making people work more than they're supposed to. Right. Because you're a fucking diva. Oh, my God. I just dropped that. But anyway. Um, The the F word? I've said it a million times on this podcast. Anyway, that's too much to me. I don't care who you are. Um, But. You know, he's getting away with it. That's my take. He's getting away with it because the show is a huge success and he's a major character. And he's won an Emmy for his yeah, award. Yes, exactly. I mean, for his role. Yeah, so they need him. The bottom line is that the production needs him uh, and they'll put up with anything for now right. <laughs> because they need him and the show is a success. Uh, and that's the part that annoys me so much because he knows that um, and, and keeps going with his demands or right. his bullshit. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't feel. And listen, I I feel that way about everybody. Like I worship Kirsten Dunst, for example. Worship her. Mm-hmm. I think she's an amazing actor. Love her. But I was reading articles about her not wanting to talk to Benedict Cumberbatch, and uh, and I roll my eyes. I don't care who you are, even if someone I like. Meryl has done that e- though. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. Even if I respect you as an actor, I still think it's bullshit. Uh, uh, see, none of that bothers me. Not particularly. I think it's annoying. It's no, like, I mean, when you get into the Jared Leto stuff where he's like mailing dead rats to cast that, members and would, stuff like that, I would punch that him. is nonsensical and it makes method acting look bad. I will say I'm not trained, but I did go to theater school for three years and I was in the late 80s, early 90s right. trained on the classic Stanislavski method. Ooh. Yeah, but I did not. It, it went nowhere. It was uh, I, I was going to film school at the same time and I was trying to, you know, figure out what the hell I wanted to do with my life. Um, but I never really, never really entertained the idea of being an actor. It was more like wanting to understand what acting was. Um, I thought it would help me if I was in filmmaking. That's really why I did it. Anyway. Uh, so much is misunderstood about the method, and it's not about being an, an asshole to other people. It's not about staying in character all the time. A lot of actors do that, uh, and get and they give it a bad reputation, but that's really not what it is. It's about using your own memories and your own emotional responses to things in your life, and then transferring them to the, to the character that you're playing. So if you're playing someone who's grieving, then you go search in your own life for grief, and you work, and you 
do a bunch of exercises to make sure that that grief is real and it comes right. up at the appropriate time. That is the method. That's literally the method. I, I get that. Anyway, uh, I don't have a lot of thoughts. Uh, the only thing I'll say in response to everything you just said about him being an asshole is I did kind of, you know, arch a cynical eyebrow at the response. So many critics came out and and actors came out and defended him. Of course. And I was like, you know, if a piece like this was written about Jared Leto or Ben Affleck yeah. or someone people love to hate, Tom Cruise or something like that, they would rip him to shreds or and call him. Or a woman. Him, or yeah. a woman in general. Yes. yes. Um, so... You know, I do roll my eyes at the fact that so many people jumped to defend behavior that is ultimately, in my opinion, harmless, but still pretentious as hell. Other actors generally know that they're going to have to put up with this every once in a while from, you know, from an actor in their profession. I And I don't watch the show, so I can't rate the guy. And I, I just found it. Um, it, it blew up and it was an interesting response because people were not used to seeing so- something written that way about a very, po- right. not a very popular, right. but a, a very celebrated celebrity mm-hmm. at the moment. Succession is a major critical hit. It's an obsession at the moment. Um, I get it. I get why there was such a strong response to it. My point, and I brought this up to you later, I was like, this is so weird because you and I have talked about this a million times and yet these people, these people, I'm talking about people on Twitter, don't seem to understand my point, which was this. I tweeted a thing then, and I said something that <laughs> that um, that profile make, doesn't make him sound like a great actor. It makes him sound like an actor with a poor process who who got uh, cast in the correct role. My mistake was commenting, making that sound like it was a commentary on his acting, which I cannot make a commentary on his acting because I don't really watch the show all that much. Right. I've seen it, but I'm like, mm, I can't. I'm not some expert on how. My point is. You and I have talked about this so many times about how many people win awards, acting awards, right. who are not good actors. Right. They just got the right role and mm-hmm. the right director. And it, then they, and my classic example, I won't say she's not a good actor, but Liza Minnelli in Cabaret was a once in a generation performance. Every single award she got was deserved. It was flawless. It was one for the, le- you know, it's legendary. She never, ever, ever did anything approaching that good in terms of acting ever again. Right. That's a classic example. And and so many people who like Julia Roberts, like you don't like Julia Roberts and you've but you have always said she that, deserved the Oscar for Aaron Brockovich. Ab- absolutely. Because she was, she was so phenomenal. well suited to yeah. the role. I think she's a better actor than you give her credit for, but at the time you were probably right. I, she won it in like 2001 and um, yeah, she wasn't all that great. It's, it, but it was a great role. Cher in Moonstruck, although she didn't win it for Moonstruck, she but won it for Mass. everyone Masked. remembers. That's you know. the one. Like that is such, she never approached right, that again. Right. It was the right role. It was the right script. It was the right director. Right. I and, think sometimes you do one, you one great performance right. uh, and, and because you're perfect for that or I don't know, because you understand the subject matter or because you right. kind of relate to it or something and then you're great for it. Right. Um, and then that's it. And you never hear from them again. I mean, so many. Uh, that's, there's I, a long list. of. I actors. can't speak for Jeremy Strong, but I do strong, no, no pun intended, do strongly believe that um, many, many, many award-winning acting performances came from mediocre actors who were slotted into the correct material at the correct time. Right. Um, I don't know if that's true of him or not, but people had a really hard time with the... Because they kept coming back and saying, well, he won an Emmy. And I'm like, since when is winning an Emmy? I know. The ultimate... I mean, come on. We know they're a popularity contest. And as I said, when we... Before the mics turned on, I was like, if it was... if, If 
Oscars only went to great, great act- across the board actors. Then only like five or six actors would have like Meryl Streep would have <laughs> twenty. You know what I mean? Right. Like Kate Blanchett, Glenn Close would have ten. Like that's not how it works. Right. Uh, awards are given out to great performances, not not and, great actors and great PR <laughs> and great PR. But you know, people, you know, fans are fans, and oh, fans are fans, and that's social media these days. Uh, you can't have a, a, a decent conversation. Go, anymore. Grandpa! I know you want to talk. about Oh, this. Shh, don't do not call me Grandpa, <laughs> asshole! <laughs> these kids today. <laughs> oh, shut up! Anyway, uh, you can't have a decent conversation, and, and oh you my know, god, you don't sound like a grandpa. There? Oh my god, could you stop my the grandpa there? Anyway, uh, they just. They're they're fans of the show. They they they're fans of the character or the actor or whatever, and they can't reason. That's my point, um, because you know you. As I said many times, I like a performance and I hate the actor, or vice versa. I mm-hmm. like an actor, but I don't like the performance. And I can talk about it without insulting anyone on social media. I agree. Although um, we're probably pissed off a bunch of Julia Roberts fans just well, now. That's, that's and fine. I mean, and that's fine if you like her. It, the Liza Queens are probably oh my god calling yes, for my assassination right now. <laughs> but I'm allowed to. You know, I'm allowed to express my opinion, um, and I—that's how I feel about right. Julia Roberts. And I, anyway, uh, or Gwyneth uh, Paltrow, for example. Well, I don't think she ever deserved. Well, she certainly didn't deserve the Oscar. No, for that one, Shakespeare no, in absolutely Love. Absolutely no. But I don't hate her. I mean, I was just watching the Royal Tenenbaums, and I, she's so good. She's in that. fun. She's yeah, really good. She's in that. Anyway, my point is that there were a ton of, of 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 articles written after she won that Oscar. How everything was coordinated for her. You know, of the course. PR. It was an incredible PR machine. For her doing that. So anyway. Of course. Um, but my point is that I, I reading that, the thing is that I, that kind of article is very revealing for most people because most people do not have the experience that you have to be on a set or something and see how people behave on a set. That's I always why, said first, actors are weird. They're really weird people. Right. At every level, like your local theater company all the way up yes. to Hollywood superstars, if they act as as in the regular, if it's something they do regularly in their life, and they have any sort of, you know, adeptness at it, they're, they're weird people. Right. That happens all the time as far right. as I, I, I know and understand because I have friends in the industry. Um, that's why when you read about Tom Cruise like losing it right that happens more often than you think it's just that it's not that out there as often uh abusiveness is not as prevalent i mean not everybody can get away with being abusive on a set tom cruise can because he's a you know he's made billions but there are a lot of demands and stuff like that people don't know like when you hire a singer a famous singer there's a long list of things they want people know um, a lot of people don't, but anyway, there are demands, and and they they want everything because right. they 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 assume that they deserve all of it. So um, I'm not surprised that he's just riding that wonderful wave. <laughs> you know that it's his success now, and we'll we'll see later. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on him as a person or an actor. I just thought the whole discussion surrounding it was interesting. You know what else is interesting? Yes. Every plate's holiday dollar seventy nine a meal plan. Wow. You should really get on board this. We've talked about every plate on this uh, yes. podcast before. They're sponsoring this week's. You should experience full plates and fuller po- wallets with America's best value meal kit. That's one of the, I mean, honestly, that's one of the best things about it is that it is so affordable. Um, uh, like so many meal kits, it comes to your door with all the ingredients prepared. Everything is fresh. It's an interesting meal plan. You can vary, you know, you can make your choices in according to any sort of dietary restrictions you have. And the food is always restaurant quality level. Right. It's but, restaurant quality. Yeah. Uh, it is as affordable as, yes. you know, a cup of coffee. And that's, that's, 
I mean, especially this time of year. I'm like, we are so busy. We have so many like holiday right. things we're trying to get done. So not having to plan or shop for every meal is just invaluable at this time. The holidays are upon us. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Enjoy delicious, affordable meals delivered to your door and ready to go in just six simple steps. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients. So now is the perfect time to focus on saving money easily. Meal planning can feel like one more item on an endless to-do list. Every plate provides easy-to-follow recipe cards and pre-proportioned ingredients, so you can spend less time prepping and cooking and more time enjoying good food with family or loved ones. Think of it this way: one meal from every plate is about the same as one pr- as same price as one cup of coffee. Uh, recipes come together in about 30 minutes, definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. Let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a delightful price. Choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. Every plate makes it easy and affordable to cook hearty, delicious, family-pleasing meals. Thinking of family, friends, or loved ones this season's Give the gift of every plate. It won't disappoint. So, try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO179. That's every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO179. That's up to a $104 value. Thank you, every plate. Okay. Are we done with Jeremy Strong? Yeah. Okay. Done with him. (laughs) We'll never have him in my house again. Okay. So, uh, and just like that, and just like that, dropped yesterday and um, huge reaction to it. It's already, as we said earlier, already being overwritten about. It feels like, um, well, it feels like succession in a lot of ways. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we won't cover. We will be covering and just like that because it's so totally in our wheelhouse. But there are so many things that we don't cover like succession because it's like, ugh, no, it's there's so much written about it. We would just be repeating everyone else. Well, the first thing we should mention is, and I actually put it in the um, lounge, um, is that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Cynthia Nixon confirmed that... Um, that they were, they had fake uh, they were shooting fake scenes and with fake yeah I know costumes I was going to like get that. into that yeah so that that's cool <laughs> yeah we had been told by someone in the know that uh, that was the case and we put it on our site and it got picked up by a bunch of other sites and it turns out to have been true uh, that they there was a bunch of fake me out scenes uh, right. that were shot anyway so first impressions um, I enjoyed a lot of it uh, uh, let me put it this way I didn't I want to see more of it. And I think um, it did a fairly good job of capturing those three women, like their voices. They sounded like Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda immediately to me. And then as the story kept progressing, I was like, they also sound like them 15 years later. Like they sound like them, how they would sound in their mid-50s. So Charlotte's a very controlling mother. And Miranda is an anxious white lady trying to be, you know, uh, more awoke in her 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 outlook on life and Carrie is more materialistic and you know, that sort of thing. It's them plus a plus, plus, plus Uh, there. The opening scene in the restaurant was very charming and funny and it sounded like them. Uh, Nothing, nothing approached the badness of the second movie and most of the first movie. I, after I watched both episodes yesterday, I went and because it's all on HBO max, the entire sex in the city library. Um, I, I started watching the second movie because I haven't seen it in years, and I had to turn it off after ten minutes. No, I, was I, like, I this can't is so watch terrible. Never. Um, and 
that's not what this is. It it's like those movies almost never happened, uh, it, and it's just a, a much more um, mature, and I mean that in the literal sense of the word, much more mature uh, take on the same characters and a different New York, uh, not the all white '90s version of it that they were selling in the '90s version of the show. Uh, there are a lot of things I will criticize, and we will get to some mm-hmm. of that. Um, I absolutely hate the way they handled the Samantha thing, and we're going to really totally unpack that. But I enjoyed it. I uh, When the big emotional thing happened, it really hit me. Um, I got a text from someone uh, who told me that she sobbed through it, uh, and I saw a bunch of people on, on social media saying they sobbed. I didn't sob through it. But uh, we're, we're going to unpack that. So go. Like, what do you have to say? What's good? Up and down. What do you have to say about um, and just like that? With everything Sex and the City, um, I, you know, I roll my eyes and all that. And I say I'm never going to watch it again. But every time I watch something about Sex and the City, even if it's a different show called than just like that, I get very emotional about it because it... We love the show. We love the show. It's part of our lives. Yes. We had all the CDs, remember? Yeah. I used to DVDs, travel. yeah. Oh, DVDs. Uh, yes. I used to travel to, uh, we used to travel to New York and I would like bring all the DVDs and watch them on the train. Yes. I mean, I was obsessed with the show. We talked <laughs> about the clothes. We were obsessed with everything. about. I yeah. mean, we started watching the show from day one. So, yep. um, so it became part of us. And at the same time, we're, I think we were dating or, or we had moved in together or something like that. But it was part of us, yeah, very yeah, much yeah. part of our lives. Our friends talking about it, watching. We were all watching the show together. So I always appreciate the effort. Uh, I like the show. Um, I did think that the beginning was very apologetic in a way that they had to explain why. Oh, here's well, here's here's the main characters. Uh, they're old now, and this is how they behave, and this is how they developed. Uh, or you know, like they had to present everything right from the get go, so that people who have been reading all these articles about it and 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 wondering what the show is going to be about get all the explanation right from the get go. Yeah. So I I thought it was rushed. Everything was rushed to explain all that. You know, this one is not coming back. This one, you know, this one is older now and this one is still struggling, whatever. Like, it was presented I too fast. with that. Uh, but I think only the first episode is like that. Yeah, I mean, the second, yeah. But I do like, um, and I think, I felt like it was forced and heavy-handed uh, <laughs> uh, every now and then. Like, I, like the whole podcast thing was cringe-worthy to me. Anytime, let's get into this. Okay, so... I uh, I do think there uh, was some very conscious, creative decisions made to correct some of the criticisms of the show. Right. And w- number one amongst that is that they immediately and quite, um, I, w- I want to say openly, but that's not quite the word I want to, quite deliberately uh, diversified the cast and they right. shined a spotlight on that on that all through the first episode it was very much see here's a black woman see here's a a, a lesbian non-binary lesbian right uh who's uh, you know a let let latinx non-binary and that's lesbian. not all there's more coming. and then there's a black professor yeah and, you know and obviously obviously we're not complaining about the introduction all of that is great that was the only thing they could have done if they were bringing this show back in right. 2021 was to address the ludicrousness of these women living in an all-white New York, which is how most of the six seasons of the show depicted it. Um, That they had no 
people of color in their social right. circle was just insane uh, looking. But but Friends was done the same way. I mean, it was very much of its time. So if you're going to do this in 2021, you really have to. And if Carrie is uh, still working on some level as a sex and relationship advisor, writer, columnist, whatever, the idea that she wouldn't be, you know, she wouldn't know non-binary or she wouldn't know lesbian. Because remember, she used to be really, oh, you know, like right. bisexual people. I don't know how to act, you know. So they immediately address that, like, okay, Carrie is working with, you know, a non-binary lesbian, and they're talking about orgasms. And then they address the fact that Carrie was always really, really uh, um, prudish, even though she wrote about this stuff. And they actually wrote that into the script and made it a criticism of her. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of this feels very, very deliberate. Um, And I, I welcome all of it, but you're right. It is so heavy-handed in that first episode. They were literally pushing a button that said woke button or woke moment or whatever during the podcast. I mean, the podcast scene. Let me just tell you, we're sitting here right now. Our podcasting doesn't look anything like Carrie Bradshaw's. I mean, the whole podcast was so wrong. (laughs) Well, I mean, there are high high podcasts who get to record in studios and not their dining room. No, that's not... The set wasn't a problem. It's the language and the conversation. It was a little too much, It was silly and... What I hated about that scene actually was that they, the two comics that she was doing a podcast with, were just laughing at each other's jokes. And I'm like, you can't write dialogue and then have characters laugh at that dialogue. And that's the whole scene. Right. Because I'm not laughing. I'm just watching people laugh at themselves. So, yeah, that was bad. I thought it was too much. And the point was to kind of like embarrass her in a way or make her feel uncomfortable. I get all that, but everything was so... How did you feel about Miranda's white woman act? Oh my God, that was horrible because that is so not Miranda. I'm sorry. You know what? I thought about this and I'm like, it's not for me to say. I mean, there are plenty of, you know, I'm sure black women in Brooklyn where Miranda lives who can tell you about well-to-do, educated white women who talk like Miranda. So I... Yes, but you're picking a social... uh, issue and you're <clears throat> sort of using Miranda to address that that's that's the problem that I have with that I don't have a problem with that not uh, really. I do because it, it's it, it's not it, it's not her character it's not how she is I don't think she was like that ever I think um if I were to pick the least likely to make comments that stupid um where she kept sticking her foot in her mouth and just making right. an, a series of um inadvertently offensive comment I would think she would be the least likely out of that group But on the other hand, Miranda's whole character, I mean, whether fair or not, they always put Miranda in really embarrassing situations. That was her character arc. But she also mentions that she worked as a lawyer for, for, you know, to defend X, Y, and Z. It's like, all right, you did all this, and then you you don't know how to behave in front of a a black person? That makes no sense. I mean, okay. But as a white person, I'm not going to sit here and critique that. Absolutely not. I'm I'm talking about a character. About specifically her. uh, Specifically a character's behavior. Uh, And it was just too much. And not like all this black issue and how you deal with the black person the language you use is going on and then that's not enough then we at the same time they're inserting the they and them in the same time it's like right. in the same scene it's like that's too much i guess they're trying to go for you know they're 55 and the world is confusing right. and they're trying to catch up again i don't have a problem with any of that as a theme or as uh you know as something they're trying to unpack but like you said, it all came rushed out in that first episode. First episode, I was like, whoa. And my it, God. it hit you way hard. 
But I do think that was the point. I do think that they really needed to say, listen, this is not Sex in the City 3. We're not picking up from Lawrence of Mylabia and mm-hmm. the trip to Dubai and all that. <laughs> uh, this is um, middle-aged people in New York City with relationship problems. Um, it's a continuation when it was 35-year-old people in New York City with relationship problems. Um, they're all insanely wealthy but that was the arc for all of those characters 15 right. years. They ended the series insanely wealthy. So, you know, unless they all lost their money, which would have been interesting, actually, if they had, if some of them had lost their money in the recession no, or something gonna, like that. They're but not going to lose their money. They're not going to do that. So, um, you know, Carrie and Big's apartment is just. Oh, my God. I it, don't think that's the one from the movie. Uh, probably not, but um, it's huge. It's ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, that's how they would live, you know? Right. Um. So you you're if you're tuning into a Sex and the City reboot, you are going to be looking, you know, at some extremely wealthy New Yorkers living a one percenter lifestyle. That's just built into it. Um, what else? We have I I don't want to talk about the fashion. I think I have to sort. I, if the no, fashion we'll, was we'll save that for later. Was um. I'll just say this. It wasn't Pat Field's fashion. It was very toned down. Extremely well, toned down. It's someone someone else doing no, it. No, I yeah, you? it's a different uh so it's not them dressing. I think most of it was character appropriate, but it is not except for Stanford, it is just not uh, it's I don't think it's going to be a factor in the show as much right. as it was. It 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 hints on a little bit on what um um was done for the for the uh, say, Pat uh a uh, few did for the uh, Sex and the City show, I think. <clears throat> Excuse Carrie me. was a much showier dresser, but yes. she was younger. Yes, right. But it's, <clears throat> you can still see a little bit of that. Um, you can Granted, see. Granted, yes, what she wore to the funeral was very yeah, Carrie. Yeah. That's true. Um, and uh, same thing with Miranda, the same way yeah. she looks. And, and Charlotte with all her Oscar Lodorenta <laughs> dresses. Totally on point. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, we haven't talked about Charlotte. I mean, they basically just continued Charlotte's story as we know it. There were no curveballs in it. Um, her daughter. The only thing I'll say is, with as a show with such problematic or yeah, problematic racial history to it, um, I don't know what to make of the fact that their Asian daughter is an overachiever and their white daughter is a slacker. Like, their Asian daughter is just this yeah, concert-level pianist. I know, insane. And the other one, you know, is just skateboarding I mean, into the theater. And I'm like, are they going to unpack that? Or should they unpack that? It, it's interesting because I was watching the show and I forgot. And then they talk about the, the recital and all that. And I was like, and then they, sh- they present the Asian girl. I was like, of course, of course, they're going to do that. Um... They're gonna bring her daughter to to you know perform this amazing Beethoven uh, piece. Of course, she's gonna do a fantastic job, and it's in that was of, her playing, right? That was the actress. I think so. Yeah, uh, I I watch her hands. It it it's easier to fake uh, playing the piano, right? Uh, because they use some kind of like rubber or whatever piano, and then you just run your fingers on it uh, on the keyboard. No, and, but I think she was really. But it playing. does look like she was playing. Um, um, it's it's a lot harder to fake uh, <clears throat> playing a string or uh, instrument, for example, right. like a violin or or, or or a cello or something like that. So, what else? Uh, getting well, we'll get into the big moment, I guess, which is uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Big dies of a heart attack in the first episode, but who? I mean, it was already rumored for a really long time. And Chris Noth was not... I just didn't think he was going to sign on for an entire series. For too long, yeah. Um, Although I don't think we've seen the last of him in the series. There'll probably be some flashbacks. Um, 
I thought it was. Oh, we were both annoyed with the way that scene was staged I think because the whole... uh, he, you know, he texted her. Then he has a heart attack. She makes it all the way home from across town. He's still alive in the shower, and then she stares at him for a full minute. He's still alive. And then she's rolling around on the floor with him. He's still alive. And like, what is going on here? Why is no one called? She, I mean, if he's had a heart condition for 20 years, she must have, some, you know, Carrie can't be so selfish as to not know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it I was, just thought of that. Maybe she called on her cell. Can you do that? Could call 911 on her cell and say that I'm, I'm heading home and my husband had a heart attack. Maybe she did that. No, that's not how the scene played out. She didn't find no, out. No, I'm, I'm I'm trying to understand why she didn't call nine one one right in front of us. That's my point. Like right. watching the show, like right. It, it well, felt they like, just staged it badly. Yeah, um, it does feel <coughs> like she took her time. <laughs> she took her time reacting to it, and I, I get it. They wanted him to die in her arms, but I actually think it might have been a lot more poignant if she came home and found him. Just found him dead. Um. It was a good scene, though. Otherwise, it was very emotional. And I told you later, I said, you know, as you said, you have invested time with these characters. We are in their age. We're the same age as them. Um, They're of our generation. We've spent a long time with them. When she said, and just like that, Big died, I was like, oh, that hit me. I was like, that hits hard to hear Carrie Bradshaw say that line. Mm -hmm. Um and just like that, Big died. It, so I, they knew what they were doing with that scene. I think they, um, if you're a longtime fan of the show, I think they really gave you what you would have wanted to see with Carrie and Big mm-hmm. at that stage in their lives, which it looked like a really happy marriage. Oh, what about the masturbation scene in bed? Oh, my God. I don't know what they were trying to do, but again, I'm, I, we can't sit here and be like, ooh, 55-year-old people, you know, having that's a se- you know, that's not it. Although it went further than actually Sex and the City would have gone back in the day. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't offended by it, but I was like, I'm not sure what they're trying to do here, mm-hmm. except to, to show that they're playfully intimate, you know, in their middle age. Um, Maybe that's why he died. <laughs> what I know, Pel- Peloton had a release. <laughs> oh a statement. my god, that was hysterical. Yeah. When I read the statement, I was like, "That it is, was a good statement." That is 2021. To but <laughs> they actually handled it really well because they brought up the fact that he drank, smoked cigars, and ate steaks, and that you know. Um, no, it was, it was. I think they handled it really it might well. Be funny, like, oh my god, we're gonna be in the show, and um, then oh no. But that's the other thing. It was so like 2021, pandemic, Peloton, podcasting, all the P's of 2021. Like they had to just yes. throw. So it's it's not 2004 anymore. Like they really had to throw right. that the in subway your face. is very dangerous. Yeah. Well, they never showed the subway before. And suddenly Miranda's taking the subway. Um, it, it, it was. And I did think it was weird when Carrie came, left the music recital and tried to hail a cab outside. I'm like, oh, come on. She'd have an Uber waiting for her. There's no way I she'd know. be hailing or a cab. A driver. Are in Manolo's. She'd no. have a driver. She, she'd have a driver. If you live in that apartment, you have yeah, a driver. You have a driver. <laughs> um, but I, they don't want to show that level no, of extravagance no. with her. Um, and, 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 the uh, gay couple we're going to talk about that <laughs> i don't really have anything to say because i don't find them very believable no, i do think stanford got some funny stuff in because and they let stanford be really shallow because that is what stanford is always yeah. was um but i'm sorry speaking as one part of a couple who were both very different from each other 
no, I, I still don't find I them don't believable. I don't buy them, yeah, um, together now. The best I, thing I, about the two of them back during the series was that they loathed each other on site. Right. And I was like, yes, that's so real. That's so real. And I hope they continue hating each other forever because, you know, but no, they had to put the two gays together. Whatever. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Samantha. Oh, I know. Okay, so um, it, just in case groundwork needs to be laid here, Kim Cattrall famously had a falling out with her, the entire cast of the show and was very open about how she would never come back and how she doesn't like uh, Sarah Jessica Parker at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, I mean, really, like on her brother's... Um, love her. On her brother's... Uh, <laughs> Death, like her brother died and Sarah Jessica Parker oh sent God. condolences and she was like, I do not need your condolences, Sarah Jessica Parker. She put that on Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they don't like each other. So Shit happened that we don't know about. So um, there was a lot of talk when this uh, and just like that was um, announced and how are they going to do this without Samantha? There's no show without Samantha and I disagreed all along. Uh, I said there, I felt that um, you could do a show uh, where one of them uh, just wasn't around anymore. Right. I think it's very realistic for characters in that age group, especially if some of them are married and some of them are not, especially if they're all wealthy enough to just up and leave the country. You know what I mean? I think it's very, very normal that one of them would have lost touch with the other ones. Right. Um, and I kind of was hoping that is what the show... It has been 11 years since we've seen them on screen together. The Sex and the City 2 was in 2010. They could have done a storyline where, you know, oh, you know, she moved to London eight years ago and we barely hear from her anymore. But instead, and I think that would have been interesting to right, just right. talk about occasionally, oh, I, I, I'd like to reach out, but, you know, we just lost touch. Instead, they turned it into a feud that the characters are feuding with each other. And you're just, I think that is sleazy in a lot of ways. Number one, because... Um, by turn, and it's a plot point. It was in the first two episodes. Several things turned on the fact that uh, uh, Samantha's no longer talking to any of them anymore, and that uh, Carrie's really, really hurt by that, and that she really tried to read. So you're trying to like litigate this this um, personal conflict that you had in real life. It did sound like a personal, and you're trying to litig- <laughs> litigate it in a fictional sense. And yes. now you're the hurt party, and she's the unreasonable one who won't reach out and blah blah blah. And I just thought it was shitty. I also thought uh, Cam Cattrall has been really clear about how much she doesn't want to talk about this shit anymore. And now they have guaranteed, guaranteed that every press event Cam uh, because she's got her own. She's on another right, right, show. Right. They're going to ask her about. They're going to ask her about this for another year. How, what do you think? Are you going to go because they have really, really laid the groundwork for Samantha to come, to come back. back? Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe she'll turn around and say, "Yeah, I'll do it for twenty million dollars," and they let her have it. Um, but right now it feels really manipulative and um, it does. mean. It, it, it feels yeah. mean. Well, d- you read the uh, Chris, uh North statement, right, about the... Uh, they asked him about her. Uh-huh. And then he was very nasty about it, though. Was he? Yeah, he was like, yeah. I he was mean and nasty uh, in, in his... Response. I mean, Kim Cattrall was very blunt and said some... Right. I, I mean, no, I, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know the real story. We never do. No. Um, but it, 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 I don't know. I really wish creatively they had left it behind, though. And just, right. we haven't seen Samantha and, in seven or eight years. She's in London and blah, blah, blah. And my understanding is that she did that for many, many years because this didn't happen. Uh, their arguments and, 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 and fights and all that started way back when they were doing the series. It wasn't before the movie. 
I mean, oh. it wasn't after the movie. No, right? no, no. This had been building for many, many years. Right. And I mean, so, there's a long line of complaints that she had. I, I, I think it's pretty clear that um, a lot of, was asked of Kim Cattrall in that series that was not asked of the other actresses. And that's very true. And she, uh, and I don't just mean the sex scenes and the nudity, which she did, but they also, um, I, some of Samantha's storylines could come off really humiliating right. uh, and judgmental about a woman who liked to put herself in sexual positions right, all right, the time. Right. So they would, they would ask her as an actress to do or act humiliated a lot in a way that they didn't. I mean, I know that we just said they they put Miranda in a lot of awkward situations but it, as well. But it, it was wasn't more the like same. embarrassing situations, not necessarily humiliating. Uh, humiliating. Situations. Yeah. yeah. There's um, a difference. There is a difference. And uh, then they gave the character cancer, although that doesn't necessarily mean anything because a lot of actresses would love a cancer storyline for themselves because you get awards for them. But uh, there was definitely a sense that mm -hmm. um, she was asked to do things the other three right. didn't really do. She was it, naked way, way more than right. anybody else. And in the it does was. feel like she didn't have the same kind of relationship that sarah jessica varga had with the other ones um that's my understanding well the other three the other two they're all new york actresses and right. i don't think kim cattrall really has a new york background um cynthia nixon and sarah jessica parker have known each other since they were teenagers oh there you go um so i don't know i i'm not gonna again not gonna litigate that one either because i have no idea i have no for all i know kim cattrall is absolutely right and sjp is complete nightmare behind the scenes or vice versa or Who vice knows? versa i have Who no knows? idea yeah but writing that into the show does make me think, honey, <laughs> one of you is a mean girl here. I it's know, looking boy. like you. She didn't return my deck. Yeah. I just, <laughs> and then they show all the texts that she sent her for oh, several and then, months. And, and then at the funeral. The, she sent flowers. Which makes no sense. Well, that's the other thing. I was like, it would have been so much better if Samantha hadn't seen her in like seven or eight years. The idea that they're still close enough that Samantha would send flowers to the funeral, but not come to the funeral. Yeah, it makes Just sense. makes Samantha look like a complete yeah, yeah. bitch. I mean, <laughs> it didn't look. I was like, well, that's nasty. It would be. Oh, Samantha doesn't know we've lost touch. I haven't spoken to her. Mm -hmm. That's why she's not here, you know? Uh, not she knows, but she's not coming. That actually makes her look worse. Right. Um, didn't like that at all. Um, I did laugh. And I think this is very on point that, yes, the funeral was very chic. That is exactly how Carrie would... The, I have to say the funeral was gorgeous. <laughs> the funeral was very... It was a fashion funeral. It was like doing... It was like a fashion event, except the it, was, was there was gorgeous. a coffin and not a runway. And, I mean, Stanford walked in and said the same thing. And I was like, yes, because I had the same thought. Any gay man walking in would be like, no, well, Carrie really nailed this one. Uh, so, like, stuff like that that shows, all right, they, they do understand these characters still. And they, they do feel recognizable right. to because that is the kind of pretentious fashion event funeral that Carrie would absolutely put on for him. Um, and like Stanford, oh, and like Charlotte being too annoying for her to be around and everything yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And all of that feels very correct. Like if you knew the history of the show, Carrie, whenever she went through something really bad, she always did withdraw from people and not tell them about it. Right, that right, is right. all like when like when they went to Mexico after right, right. she was left at the do, altar. I, I'm curious because <coughs> I hope, I truly hope, uh, and that's just me, uh, one segment of the um, fandom. Yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't turn into just, you know, kids and, 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 and problems with kids and, and, 
and they're dating and they're sleeping with the girlfriend, that kind of thing. They're doing drugs. And I hope that's not just that, because if it well, is... Well, that feels very CBS family drama to me, which I'm hoping they don't go I that. hope that's not but just that. On the like the, I, I didn't mind the scenes with them and their kids because... That is, that would be their lives. Right. They would be consumed with those, you know, making sure their kids got out the door and into adulthood fine. Especially in the case of Miranda and uh, Steve's kid, that's the same actor who played him when he was a baby. So it's kind it's, Oh, is it? It's oh my the God. same kid. That's hysterical. And they wrote a graphic sex scene. I was like, oh, they're really throwing it in your face that this is the little baby that's that you watched funny. on the show. Um, For a second, I thought it was her uh, kid. No, I mean, they cast that. Do you remember him? He had bright red hair. He looked like Miranda. Um, And you would want to see, like, uh, Charlotte had gone through so much to get married and have children, and it was so much a part of her character that, yes, you would want to see where her daughters were and what her relationship was like with them. So I don't mind that. Um, I don't want to keep hearing about um, Brady's condoms and right banging the head like that's all right whatever like uh, that's less interesting to me it does look well first oh miranda's an alcoholic oh yes i i oh we my forgot god about that we forgot about that that's yes, very that's, cbs drama as that well. was clear from like scene one yeah they didn't do that very subtle but no. okay whatever these things happen i mean white, the bar scene white is, women yeah. whining like literally <laughs> mommy wine culture that's a thing could be interesting um, weird that no one seems to see it because she's doing it so openly in front of everyone. But then again, you know, that, ha- that also happens. Um, but also are they, are they teasing Miranda with a lesbian? I don't know. I, relationship? I, I kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's so Cause she weird. had that big scene with Sarah Ramirez, yeah. who, uh, plays non-binary, she plays Shay, the non-binary lesbian podcaster host. Um, that is. where they just tore into each other. And uh, and yeah, obviously there was a little bit of an undercurrent of flirt- flirtation there. But I, mm, uh, I don't think you have to write queer characters. One of the things I liked about Miranda was that they didn't give in to the... Although she wasn't really out at the time. I don't think she came out until after the show aired. But I, you don't have to make queer actors... You don't have to turn their characters queer. You don't have to do that. Right, and, right, right. Especially when... I like her marriage with Steve, although, yeah. again, maybe they're heading a direction where she's polyamorous. And you know what? They probably will. Um, I'm ready to see where they're going with it. I just find it like, oh, you made you made the lesbian act or the, the queer. I don't, I'm not sure if she's lesbian or bisexual, um, Cynthia Nixon. But you're kind of hinting at uh, a same, you know. Mm. OK, if you want to do that, fine. Uh, I just want to note that Samantha had a girlfriend on the show 15 right, years right. ago, and Miranda made a lot of snide jokes about it, but whatever. Um, so it's going to be, what, 12 episodes? I have no idea. I'm, I'm curious, because... I don't yeah. think... It, is it really? I think it Eight, would be 10. 12, maybe. They're I long. Know. I mean, Sex in the City they episodes were under yeah. 30 minutes long, and these were all, like, the first two at least were 45 minutes. Um, but we'll I'm, s- I'm curious. I'll watch it, of course, but... You know, we'll see. I didn't think it was disastrous. Uh, no. It felt, like I said, it felt like the people that I, I knew, that, and it felt like, for the most part, this is where they would be. Um, and I think they did a very good job of that. They, sh- Oh, going back to the point of um, correcting uh, some of the flaws of the show. Um, in later years, the rhetoric surrounding Sex in the City was that Carrie Bradshaw was a terrible friend and she was a narcissist. And it, when you really unpack how she acted, it's like, God, she was terrible. And it's true. 
Right. And Sarah Jessica Parker has always been very defensive about that. She's actually gone into comment sections and defended when, you know, on like social media and stuff like that. I mean, she called us when she didn't like something we wrote about her. So she gets a little, that's just whatever. She, she was very sweet. So I can't say, you know, but she does like to defend herself. And uh, I really feel like they made um, both Miranda and Charlotte look a little silly and ridiculous just in order and even selfish right like miranda was terrible to her professor that black woman she would i mean the number of microaggressions that came flying out of her mouth terrible and then charlotte was completely unreliable as a friend selfish making everything about her and i really felt like okay they're trying to correct that carrie's the selfish one and they're making the other and then carrie was very withdrawn and and you know pulled herself together and everything but these two were the ones that were flying off the handle and i think you're probably going to see a little bit more of that they're going to make the other two look a little sillier in order to make carrie look less narcissistic than she normally does i just hope that it it doesn't turn into every episode teaching you a lesson um, about something. I queer life and queer life and, and, you know. We'll see, we'll see. And, and stuff like that. I mean, that all can be introduced in a way that you don't have to be so, I don't know, so yeah, showy about message it. Message of the week. I, I totally agree with that, but it, there's no point in doing this show in 2021 if you're not going to open up their world a little bit because they were, I mean, amazingly sheltered in a lot of ways in the original version of the right. show. Right, I... Just just to go back to the scene with, with the professor, the African-American professor and, and, and Miranda, I thought the dialogues written for the African-American professor were great. I thought she was fantastic. I thought the she way was fantastic. She, handled she handled her. it. Yeah, yeah. Her responses were perfect or and hilarious. Or the scene with the security guard where right. and Miranda's like, I had to say something. And she's like, did you? Did you? Did you exactly. Really? So her reactions were very uh, real to me. Yes. Why? And I think that reflects having writers of color in the writing room. That, yes. is, that is where all this is yeah, coming but, from. But Miranda's whole conversation was just way over the top yeah, yeah, for yeah. me uh, for the character yeah um, it should also be noted that they introduced a new you know friend group person which right. i can't remember the character's uh, uh, name first of all, she is gorgeous she is gorgeous she's charlotte's friend um and oh, what's her name i forget i now. can't remember uh, but um they're clearly making her you know, sit alongside the other women because they're giving her storylines of her own right, storylines right. with her husband and her mother-in-law and everything uh, so she's not just a supporting character. They're actually elevating her to the number four. Uh, you know, she's the, I, I said she's the new Samantha, but then um, um, Harry called her the Black Charlotte. So I, I don't know. Right, right. I guess she is more Charlotte than yeah, Samantha. Yeah, because she has the She's a mommy and she's wealthy. And, and yeah. I couldn't stop looking at her. She's absolutely gorgeous. And I'm, she's gorgeous. I'm, I'm sorry I can't remember her name right now, but the character's yeah. name. Her name is. Um, uh, Ari Nicole Parker, something like that. Yeah, she is absolutely. Anyway, I, anyway. I actually think she's great. I think mm-hmm. she's a good addition. Um, uh, we'll see where that goes with them and how they all interact with each other. Uh, but yeah, it looks promising. And I, a lot of people really were like, I'll never watch this. And why bother with this? And I'm just like, I don't know. Are you saying that you can't do storylines with people in their 50s? Like, is, right. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, I do think. This week has been very hard reading a lot of Gen Z and millennial writers writing about this show. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to bite my tongue, bite my tongue, bite I my know. tongue. Because not this. So there were a lot of uh, think pieces about sex in the city writ- written by people who are 25 to 30 years younger than the characters. And maybe, mm, no, you don't <laughs> understand 2000. You don't understand the dating scene. You don't understand. Yes, it, there's a it, lot of things you can level, criticism you can level at that show. I 
just did. But it, I do think, unless you're Gen X, I don't think you right. understand a lot of the context. It's very interesting to re, uh, read these people, the, this very young generation writing articles. I mean, I mean, of course they're going to be start writing. Right, right, but right. But it's very interesting to take sometimes, like, I put a lot of the... Um, best movies lists or whatever in the lounge and i always laugh i put them because I, I want people to laugh our readers to laugh because they miss so many things they just drop so many things they don't know about so many things when they compose those lists and i it just makes me laugh because it's like you really didn't do your research no but what, I, okay grandpa <laughs> grandpa do not start a conversation with um, grandpa <laughs> all right you're gonna hang an onion on your belt all right so is that it for this week i guess so yes uh let us know your thoughts on and just like that and um whether you think um good performances can come out of bad actors and let's name a few aside from liza and liza's not a bad actor i didn't mean that don't yell at me queens but <laughs> come on cabaret's the only really come on new york new york maybe i'll give you that but whatever yeah. all right i'm rambling so uh until next week when we when we come back with whatever crosses our eyes or yeah. crosses our desks that still makes no sense to me but <laughs> I've been saying it for years. Uh, Take care of yourself. (laughs) Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.